in traditional no, Steve. fashion. He's on holiday. Nice. He's doing his uh, he's doing his uh, sexy beast routine by the swimming pool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't. oh, that's an image I don't want in my head. Um, it's there now. <laughs> I've broken Phil. Go <laughs> <laughs> to uh, Photoshop for the image of this podcast. Oh God. <laughs> Uh, can we start? They're <laughs> waiting on you, giggle boy. Hello and welcome to the AV Forums podcast for Wednesday the 24th of June. And joining me on this edition are news editor Mark Hodgkinson. Knock it off. Games editor Mark Botwright. Aim for a major artery. And audio reviewer, Ed Sally. Keep the ball. I have a whole bucket full. Welcome back to the weekly podcast. Uh, no, Steve, this week he's, he's on holiday. And just a reminder that there is no weekly podcast next week uh, because we're having another summer break. Uh, but we will be back on the 8th of July. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to tell you some stuff uh, that we're not under NDA for. <laughs> <laughs> Phil's got an NDA so secret you can't say anything about it with a fairly enormous fine. Uh, and uh, now Steve and I are under one. Uh, I, I'm afraid in the competition for who's got the biggest potential fine, we lose out to Phil. But nonetheless, it's not money that you're going to lose down the back of the sofa. So uh, my, my lips are sealed. Yeah, there's no fear I'm of me. I'm clenched in there's, silence. There's no fear of me uh, breaking that one. Right, let's move on. Current competitions, I'll go through these, seeing as uh, we're a reduced force this week, but it'll be a better one. Black Swan on Blu-ray, you have till the 30th of June. And the Yamaha RXS 600D AV receiver, courtesy of Scan. Again, you have to the 30th of June to win that. So go away and um, keep the podcast on in the background. Go and try and win those. And congratulations to previous competition winner, Chris Harry12345. A thought went into that username, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's won the Dark Crystal on Blu-ray, which Mark will be petrified uh, at watching. Um, so don't scare yourself, Chris. It's a, it's a classic, isn't it, Mark? I've I've never seen it. I, <laughs> I I saw the VHS cover when I was about I don't know eight years old, and I decided I'm never watching that. Same with Phantasm. Right. <laughs> I don't know where to go with that one. So let's go to hardware news. Uh, Fox have announced the first HDR films, and of course support for uh, UHD Blu-ray, which is uh, due in six months' time. Getting closer. Uh, so, Mark, give us the brief rundown on this one. Yeah, and it will be quite brief. So we, we've got um, four titles uh, coming soon to uh, online service MGO, which is tied in exclusively with Samsung TVs at the moment. Uh, and they are Kingsman the Secret Service, The Maze Runner, Life of Pi, which I look forward to, and Exodus Gods and Kings, which is no surprise because that was the uh, demo stuff, wasn't it? Knocking, knocking about at CES. Uh, they will be coming to Ultra HD Blu-ray later in the year, or hopefully later in the year, depending on uh, HDR specs, I guess, um, when players and discs become available. I think we're, we're, we're waiting on EFA this year, which is unusual because it's normally CES that, that is the big show of the year, but uh, this year, just the way that things are, are falling and product lineups are falling, um, it looks like EFA could be a big stepping stone to f finding out exactly what's going to happen with Ultra HD Blu-ray. Well, that's where we got the news last year, wasn't it? It leaked out of EFA. It did, indeed. I think dribbled is a more... Dribbled. It, 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 wasn't, it wasn't leaked, it was just... It was sort of half-heartedly put into the public domain. It, we we commented at the time. It didn't 
didn't really strike as there being much sort of impact or drive behind it. But, you know, I'm pleased to see that there's still, you know, lumbering onwards and, um, you know, Steve is going to be delighted. I think um, the, the, the unusual thing here is, though, it's Fox that's announcing this and they have previous very recently for uh, backing out of um, software and going towards streaming. So they have pulled, I think it was The Simpsons, Blu-ray and DVD. They from- presumably got a not inconsequential sum of money to make up with Exodus Gods and Kings, and uh, <laughs> and, and a requirement to, to, to make money out of that possibly overwhel- overrides a, uh, any any reservations about physical formats. Yeah, it just seems weird that they're going with a physical format when you know the recent form has been to pull out of that market. So Ed, to make this a success, what do they have to do to get you to buy into it? As, um, as, as fanboys will buy into it, no problem. But what they're going to have to do to get you to I need to have a solid choice of material available to buy. It needs to be available to buy through the con- the usual suspects uh, of um, of delivery. So the standard online retailers, not naming any names, and I think just as critically, it needs to be in the supermarkets. That's the the really tricky point. When I actually look back at blu-rays i've bought over the last 12 months and there have been some uh, i often feel that like i'm buying them out of sense of obligation for testing purposes rather than because i desperately desperately want to own that film but um the vast majority of them have come from me picking them up in sainsbury's on a on a weekly shop rather than ordering them online so if that route to market is lost that's really bad news and then i guess um i mean it's a bit different for me the players I'm quite happy to go for a fairly, you know, I've had fairly high spec Blu-ray players through the life of the format, but really for the success of the format, it needs there needs to be, in short order, a two hundred to two hundred and fifty pound simple plastic device with four K Netflix on board as well. If you like a sort of get you going four K startup centre. Right, I've got a funny feeling it's going to be double that. I know to start with, but it has to come down quickly and i mean seriously quickly mm, less yeah. less than less than six months you've got to expect that it will really Just well if it doesn't they're doomed yeah um, i do agree that's i'm afraid there's very little joviality in that one that just, unless they work quickly and efficiently they have um they're, they're just not you know it's already it, i mean don't get me wrong we have seen an impressive take up in 4k screens but that seems to be as much that if your existing television's gone putt and you've got a budget above, well, above about 600 quid these days, your replacement television is going to be 4K without you actively seeking it out. It's a rather different business for content delivery system. Yeah, I think you're right there. And I think you're right with the six months. That That's all the time that they're going to have to uh, to get this format up and running and and hopefully make a success of it. But I, I don't know, I think it's going to be a real niche mark, do you not think? Which mark? I think we both think it's niche. Whoever answers, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, it's, it is going to be very niche. Uh, and, and there is only Fox announcing content at the moment. I mean, they made the announcement a couple of months ago that they were going to do this, and then they've followed through and actually done it. But it's pretty eerily silent everywhere else, isn't it? Other mm-hmm. than uh, Netflix and Amazon, I think, who uh, promised TV series in the format. But yeah, it's it's quiet everywhere else, and no one's going to buy into it for four titles. No, no, you need either. The range of titles, or you need it to be so cheap that people figure they'll try it anyway. If it doesn't tick one or, you know, you'd hope both those boxes, then you can't see it lasting long. Normally, when a new format comes along, they're not charging the big dollars because it's a new format or just because it's a new format. 
you've got the whole replication side of things. Um, and I guess it, it de- all depends on how easy the replication is going to be making these discs and getting them out there as to what they're going to cost. And, you know, I think they're still going to be on the high side. I think you're going to be looking at 25, yeah, 25, 30 quid a, a disc to start with. But are they largely going to be very much modern titles to start with? Yeah. It, because well, here's, here's all my the new stuff and, and recent catalogue, well, at least as far as Fox is concerned. See, that's kind of my worry, which is this this almost law of diminishing returns. Because most people I know who are into films, if you ask them to list off their favourite ones, it's very rare that it kind of you know they will list things in more recent years in comparison to you know previous decades. And so the worry is that a lot of the titles that you've already got on Blu-ray is that what they're going to look like is that kind of the best they're going to be and so is this just a case of you know kingsman the maze runner it will just be the newer titles yeah well it looks that way i guess they're going to float it see how it goes with the newer titles and then if it is a success in any way shape or form then they can start considering older titles the the last the last two big formats dvd and blu-ray that's the way it's worked it's always been new release stuff and then the catalog stuff starts to follow a year afterwards and then the really big catalog stuff like your your jaws and your star wars and your indiana jones and aliens and that kind of thing that all tends to follow about two years into the format life <laughs> that's if it gets to two years yeah guess, do you think I there's that i was just going to say do you think there's going to be that same momentum because when when dvd came out there every kind of every shop seemed to have some kind of like a pixar film or something saying look how it can look you know, when uh, Blu-ray was out, there were a lot of people changing towards, uh, you know, high-def screens, uh, full 1080p. Now, it, it seems like there's not that same momentum behind it. I think, like the, I think they're staking more on HDR than they are 4K in a lot of ways, I think, as, as, a, re, as a way of being out to see a difference. To, they have to do that because, you know, well, we know, the, the, the general public's not going to see a difference between a no. Blu-ray and a 4K Blu-ray from an average seating distance on a 15-inch screen. It has to have something on top of that, which is your HDR and your wider colour gamut. Then it adds more of a difference to, to the Blu-ray that you're looking at and comparing yeah. to. Yeah, it's kind of like the new 3D, isn't it, really? Hopefully it won't be a, a flop like that. I'm quite, <laughs> I'm quite excited <laughs> by it. Um, but and you'll, you'll get the opportunity to well, kind of try before you buy when, through the streaming services. I mean, you, you'll be able to know whether you like the effect or you know, whether you think it's worthwhile before buying into any hardware, and which might actually count against the hardware manufacturers. If it's good enough on Netflix, Amazon, then why spend 500 quid on a player? Yeah. Well, I mean, Ed, you live Milton Keynes, Mark, you're uh, round about the Manchester, Macclesfield area, and Mr. Botwright, you're... Um, Dorset. Right. So uh, I take it that all three of you are on pretty decent internet connections then? Yeah, not bad at all. Thank you. No complaints here. Reasonable. I'm not showing off. You could you <laughs> could stream... Uh, oh, no, no. There's no limitation to me getting a 4K, a 4K signal down the pipe, so to speak. Yeah. Um, so, so um, there's just myself and and Steve who are out in the sticks a little bit. With I mean, I'm okay. I'm 17 meg, so it's not too bad. I can I can stream 4K. Steve's not going to happen. But is Steve the exception to the rule, though? You know, well, yeah, because not only does in terms of this, if we're looking at this as a method of takeout, not only do you then have to have slow internet, you have to then be determined enough to choose this as your delivery system. When we have to resign ourselves to the fact that um, Sky is going to be an equally significant player in this regard. I mean, they, they, I'm sure that they're going to work out 4K well, actually delivery. It's, actually, it's BT that's be- beaten them to the... Well, isn't it short? But the, hang on a second. Is that 
still not in some way dependent on your internet speed. Yeah, you have to have BT fiber for it, don't you? Whereas, let's face it, as and when Sky get around it, as long as you've got a walk on the side of your house, you're good. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, there is that. But then, you know, looking at, at the Sky thing, I mean, to get 3D, the 3D channel when it first started up, I think you had to have the full package, which, you know, yeah. that's that's getting on to 70, 75 quid a month now. Full package is a way more than that. Is it really? Oh, yeah. Well, you see, I, pull, I pulled it about a year ago, and that's what I was paying. I was paying 75 quid a month, and I said, this is just not value for money at all. Even if I had a 4K channel, I don't think it would be value for money at that kind of price. And that's the way they'll do it. You'll have to have the full package to get the 4K channel, or you'll have to pay a subsidy again. Well, yeah, but it, 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 it everything starts somewhere, and it generally comes down. So I'm, I'm simply saying it's another, it, it's another avenue which only has limited time relevance to 4K Blu-ray being the only game in town. Sky and BT are going to use Sport more than HDR. They've been you know, just 4K UHD well, Sport as I, the I driver rather you, than... You I might, don't, HDR would be a long way off from broadcast, I would think. You might see them uh, experiment with a high frame rate and that could be interesting to look at. Yeah. For, for the sports side of thing, anyway. Uh, right, so let's move on to some sound stuff. First of all, Philips have announced a new soundbar in the sound stage range. Uh, this is going to be quick. Uh, so what is it that they've announced, Mark? Six products in all. Four soundbars, two sound stages, i.e. you can place your tele on top of them. Uh, they've got the Fidelio B5, which is the successor to that soundbar that had detachable um, speakers to put behind you for a full surround effect, which I quite liked, actually. Um, so that's a couple of years on, and they've followed that up, which looks kind of interesting. Uh, they've got a, a new Fidelio sound stage, which is the XS1 3.1 channel system with uh, a wireless sub, Bluetooth support, and all that jazz. In fact, they've all got Bluetooth support. Um, we Their next ranking soundbar is the HTL7140, which comes in at £450. It's a true 5.1 channel soundbar. Uh, so housing six mid mid-range drives and two tweeters. Uh, they've got the HTL six one four zero, which is a three point one system or a two point one system. I think it's sorry, it's two point one system. Uh, support for DTS and Dolby Digital Surround, and that comes in at just under three hundred. Then we have the HDL5145, which is the entry level sound bar. Uh, that's £280, uh, 2.1 system, and another 3.1 sound stage, which is the HDL5130, HDMI, Bluetooth connectivity, and available now for a price of £229.99. And I, I take it there's no 5.1 or 7.1 systems uh, being launched with the speakers and so on? Interesting, yeah, that's probably the most interesting thing about it. it, it the press release was um, entitled something like Philips 2015 uh, Home Cinema Range. And yeah, there's not one other than the detachable speakers on the uh, 9140. There's not a whiff of surround sound about it, really. So the that same? shows you where we're going. Well, I think we're already there. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Aren't we, Ed? Yeah, pretty much. Welcome <laughs> back to uh, Stereo. It's been a long time gone. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, talking about Stereo, Ed, we are, uh, you know, in the future, even though that you're still collecting a, a, a format which, you know, 80-odd years old, uh, still, well, still going know, strong. It ain't uh, broke. But where do we go in the future? And where, where do the audio files go in the future? And we've been talking about, uh, last week about Apple, which we'll come on to in some detail because uh, there was news today uh, about a U-turn um, with the Apple Music stuff. But we were talking about streaming. Uh, we were talking about internet speeds and all the rest of it. 
Uh, so obviously we now have a, a range of uh, at least two that I know of high-res um, streaming services out there, Ed. So is it a viable source for your audio file for somebody who really wants to enjoy the music through a stereo system? It's pretty damn close. I would say that firstly, it's interesting. You've you keep there's a, a, a problem at the moment where high-res and lossless are interchangeable and and used liberally in 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 throughout throughout marketing blurb whereas got to be careful because lossless technically puts us at cd and then beyond that we've got high res which as yes is not an on-demand based undertaking but um we I, we've we've both tinkered about with tidal um for some time including obviously they updated their um desktop app comparatively recently it's it's perfectly perfectly listenable um listening back through um either my existing streamer where you can jury rig tidal streams through it via the android bubble app or via various usb DACs and the like that have passed through it it has it gives a i wouldn't want to stake money on telling on telling the difference between that and something which i've diligently ripped myself through cd there are still enough annoying gaps in the catalog for it to not be perfect but there is the understanding where surely well i mean in the most for the most part in my case if if I, there is a gap in the title service it means that it's an album i know is missing and i know it's missing because i own it so that would be a logical argument for for getting around it. I do find, I you know, we were saying just now. I mean, I'm on a, a 39 meg line. It's well and truly able to handle the bandwidth requirements of Tidal. Nonetheless, I do find that Tidal gets a strop on at various times. Certainly during busy sort of evening periods and the like, I, I find that it can occasionally slow down and get grumpy. Um, I don't think that. Um, it has the, if you like, the sort of endless stability of most of the sort of on-demand video services. And I would find relying on it solely to be, I wouldn't want to do it just yet. Even even on a re- relatively quick line, it just doesn't feel robust enough. But that's, you know, that's 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 strictly my thoughts on that. But no, I don't have a quality issue with it. And But I, again, I appear to be a bit of an unusual one looking at some of the comments that follow in pod, after the podcasts. I um I I don't bemoan the loss of physicality with digital. Never have done. Um, possibly that's because I am still buying a, a physical format, and I don't you know that that scratches that itch. But I don't have an issue with not physically holding swathes in my collection. Not least because it means I don't have to find somewhere to put it. I I had a quick look at my cd collection and stuff just to see when the last time it was that, that i bought a physical format when we're talking about music and i used to buy quite a quite a bit of cd and uh quite a bit of vinyl back in the day yet. and yeah. um uh 2003 was the last time i bought um a cd that's quite a long time ago i've definitely bought them since then and say i bought admittedly i the last one i bought was used and it was preposterously expensive because it was sort of a bit rare and odd I'm still quite content to use CD to fill in gaps, even though the CD is never actually played in an audio sense of the world. It, it, it goes into the side of my laptop, is ripped and is then squirreled away, um, which I've always found to be fairly wasteful, hence my lack of issue with, with buying lossless and high-res downloads and, and lossless streaming. But, um, I mean, does that mean you haven't been buying music? Uh, 
I know I'm aware when... that, that may be an incriminating question I'm asking <laughs> you. Here. Well, actually, I think the last time I bought anything on iTunes was probably about 2010. So you just streaming now? I just stream music. Yeah, I'm saying it really. In fact, I think I was probably longer ago than 2003 since I bought a physical disc. I'm, I'm so used to using it in in the the living room, which is my office here. I have it on in the background. I've got a couple of Genelikes and a subwoofer. Sounds great. If I go through the cinema room, it depending on the products I have in <laughs> at the time, because the the Onkyo that I have that's that's here that's mine doesn't have the capability to stream through that. I've only just got myself a Blu-ray player. Streams does Netflix and all this, so I can do it through that, um, but I can't get Tidal to work through that. I can get Spotify, but I can't get Tidal to work through that. So, one room, yeah, great, can listen to high-res audio, and I do, and I listen to a lot of background music as well. Um, cinema room, it's a little bit harder listening to music in that room, which is a shame, but that's just depending on the hardware I've got in. When I've, I had a Yamaha amp last week, and that was perfect, worked yeah. spot on. Uh, I mean, it's, as I say, I, um, I mean, don't get me wrong as well, the, the, the number of things available as a high-res download, it's it's still, uh, you know, painfully slow. And there's still an awful lot of stuff on high-res where, you know, fundamentally it might be amazing quality. It still doesn't actually mean I want to listen to it. But things are improving in that regard. And although there's a perfectly legitimate argument that high-res, actually the only benefit is that they've put more effort into mastering it so it sounds better, they've still put more effort into mastering it so it sounds better. So, you know, where where it's possible to buy an album I want in a high resolution format, then I will I will generally go and do that. That's I've, my my Blu-ray, if you will. I have a four G contract on my mobile, although I don't get four G <laughs> but it was the cheapest contract or the, or yeah. at the time when I looked at it. But when I go into a four G area, I have found it dead easy through the car's MMI system to hook up the phone via Bluetooth and then play Tidal through four G into the car. Yeah. That that is the future, you know. As soon as we get coverage, where where you're able to do that within the contract bounds that your your data usage is, that has to be one of the, one of the ways of 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 listening to your music. I've been telling you that four G is is going to close most of the gaps in slow broadband speeds over the next five to five to ten years. And the other thing is that the car system, I don't have to have my mobile. I could buy a data sim and. Uh, shove that into the entertainment system and it will pull the stream in that yeah. way so i mean you know the future the future is streaming and the quality is reasonable enough um and and better than dab radio in a lot of cases well, it couldn't be any worse <laughs> yes. I mean, dab uses mpeg2 for christ's sake it's properly awful you know and thanks to it being done on a governmental level we have no choice but to sort of grin and bear it which is utterly shit sorry yeah so um mr botwright What's your thoughts on on all this? I mean, um, I, I would I, I'd imagine as a gamer, you like to sometimes have your own soundtrack uh, through a pair of headphones or something like that while you're while you're fighting away or doing whatever it is you do. Yes, uh, well, um, with regards PS4, I tend to use the the Spotify app. And that, I'm afraid I'm I'm kind of something of a, a a luddite in comparison to you know present company, and I do just tend to kind of stick fairly low quality rips onto an mp3 player i'm afraid you know uh music isn't really my scene not a lot put it this way the last cd i bought was uh a collection of old johnny cash albums quality at least it was something quality but let, you're now going to tell me it was back when he was actually still alive no 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 this was this was only last year oh splendid well, well done you but i do find i mean your point about storage ed 
um, I do find that, shall we say, I, that's the one thing that will probably push me more towards, you know, just completely severing the ties to a physical format, which is the fact that I, I started off putting things in like CD wallets and things like that. But then I realized that I don't even really need the CDs because I'm just kind of ripping stuff. Yeah. And so therefore the boxes are up in the loft with cases. And then I've got these huge kind of folders, wallets, which just weigh a ton between them. You know, when you think, oh, great, I can fit 100 CDs in there, but there's no way you can put them that's easy to get to them. You know, they, they just weigh an absolute ton. So kind of getting away from that would be nice. The weigh a ton. Uh, you want to go back to the 80s and early 90s when I was carrying record boxes. Those weigh a ton, don't they, Ed? This is true, but that's as much the box offering protection because actually oh, records themselves, they are they are heavy, but give, it's more records, it's more their uh, physical dimensions rather than, than all that weight. I mean, uh, there's nothing, they're, they're never going to trouble an IKEA bookshelf. Uh, oh, I, I don't know. I have seen people's shelves falling down because of the way they've stacked their vinyl. Well, but isn't the weight more evenly distributed, though? within reason you... yes but the, the, the kicker is fundamentally if you have really long unsupported shelves they're always going to bow in the middle that's just the nature of the beast if you can uh, actually work on the principle that they need to be supported at a routine level uh, sorry a regular interval yeah you're fine laughing not a problem and there's at shelving tips yeah I mean, obviously <laughs> don't, don't, don't take DIY get in a man to do me. it yeah um yeah just get get a professional in or or, or or just wait for your wife to do it for you. But, um, you know, whatever suits. But, no, I mean, I don't have a problem with storing vinyl because actually in its own way, it, it looks geeky, but it's sort of quite... There's sort of colour and art oh, to it and all the rest there, of it. There is a coolness to having... Whereas your, your just having a big shelf. stack of CDs says, I haven't learned how to rip yet. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. Yeah, there is, there is a cool factor of, you know, having your vinyl on show, totally. I totally you don't that. reorder it in a high fidelity fashion, do you? No, 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 no far from it. I know where everything is because um, I have a strange memory. But uh, no, another record turned up today, and it's my. Uh, actually, I was beginning to worry because the turntable reviews I've done for AV Forum so far, I've picked out a piece of coloured vinyl or a uh, picture vinyl to sit on the record player during the photography to just add a bit of visual. And I was, I, I couldn't remember if I had any more um, interesting coloured discs. Thankfully, that that has been sold for me the record that turned up today is 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 a bright pink color so um how did, how did i know it was going to be pink i don't know it just seems to be the way <laughs> forward at the moment but uh the, the that means the fourth and final turntable review uh will be uh be conducted with that so Which just nice. rounding off on this subject then ed streaming is the future it's pointless us fighting it and we should just embrace it and hope that the quality remains but what do you want to fight it with? I mean, the, the alternative is a format which is as near as makes no difference as old as me. And I, I, I don't. I don't think the fight will come from us, though. I think the fight will come from the industry because if there's one thing that that's been highlighted recently is is that artists get very little back in terms of. Uh, yeah, but it's switching to a different model now. In so much as. The, the streaming serves the purpose, if you like, of commercial radio, which probably doesn't please commercial radio too much. Whereas, you you listen to it on uh, in, in a means that you don't own, thereby effectively knocking piracy around a bit because there's very little purpose to to to, pirate, to pirating the material. Um, and then you you know hopefully feel compelled to go and either see the artist perform or buy yourself some artist merchandise, or things like that. I mean, some of the younger artists 
at the moment they they make no bones about the fact that the album they they in many ways they don't release what you'd recognise to be albums. They're much more about EPs, sort of six to eight track outings, and it's about getting people interested in what they do and then come and see us live. Right, and you'll pay the money there, and they perpetually tour. That's how they do it. So what was this whole Taylor Swift thing? Because I've only caught the tail end of it. So what happened with that? So Apple Music, we, we spoke about it last week. Yeah. Now, the way I understand it was they were going to do a three-month trial. Yes. And in that time, they were not going to pay any royalties. It was a three-month free trial. Now, that's all fine and dandy, but as part of this free trial, Apple also wouldn't be paying royalties to the artists while whilst stuff was being listened to on free trial. Now... Royalties from streaming are pitiful anyway, but nonetheless, it's fairly sharp practice, especially when you're also the richest company in the world. <laughs> um, so uh, it's in, in, a, in a sense, the only risk that Apple's taking is, is the hosting. Um, the, the artist is, is doing the legwork for, for actual the actual sort of encouragement. So this was actually picked up on very quickly, but it nothing really happened until um, Taylor Swift, who Mark was joking in emails earlier this morning, the, the most pow- the most powerful woman in pop. Uh, and <laughs> joking is. aside, she, she is. She's not far off, is she? Um, yeah. She wrote an and uh, an open letter to Apple, um, and it does make very interesting reading because now you can either say that this is cynical brilliance on her part, and it's just a uh, just words in the way of her desire to get paid but what she actually you know what she actually said is look this isn't about me i've released however many albums my tours make us you know they make substantial sums of money i can keep everything going in the manner to which I, i wish to keep them going but she did make the point that um newer artists who don't have this same level of clout you know are sort of being sort of railroaded into this process and they don't have any say in the matter and yeah it's it just strikes me as a bit of a kicker to get your album deal and then the bulk of the bulk of people consuming that album is going to happen in such a way as you don't then receive anything for it um and it's it's more of an ask to for those people to go well you know just get get your act together and get touring because that doesn't happen overnight and it again requires time and if you like a degree of investment on the part of the artist and, and the label so if revenue isn't coming in at all it doesn't strike me as very likely that 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 investment's going to come in so she wrote this open letter it appeared over the weekend and rather unusually for a company which doesn't normally admit any culpability unless they've unleashed something like apple maps on the world um apple have folded not as a company, but I need to stress. But they've um, they've uh, She's brought they performed a U-turn, and artists will be paid. Didn't they claim uh, though that they weren't necessarily not paying artists, but it was just structured in some kind of convoluted way? Uh, yeah. It was fairly complicated. But the long and the short of it is that for the three-month free period, you it didn't look like you were going to be receiving much or anything, and it would appear that that has at least been in some way reversed and resolved. Is she still off um, Spotify? As far as I know. Hold on, let me check for you. It's running on my taskbar at the moment. While you do that, there has obviously been a reaction on Twitter to Taylor Swift and and doing that. And um, there's been quite a few requests actually coming in now to Taylor Swift to to look into other issues. Um, So thank you, Taylor Swift, for getting Apple Music to pay royalties. 
Uh, can you now ask them to take you two off my iTunes? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Taylor, uh, any chance you could get Apple to fix mail? Uh, any chance you could get them to fix their iPhone chargers? Um, Taylor Swift uh, reported to be taking a lead role in negotiating the Greek EU bailout. They <laughs> <laughs> <So you> told us. <laughs> She's the world's finest diplomat. Dear Islamic State, you know where that one's gone. Yeah. Uh, Taylor Swift, can you now tell us how to tackle immigration? Oh, no, there's one here, and I fully agree with. Okay, Taylor Swift, now please get Apple to put the jack at the top of the iPhone 6 instead of the bottom. Amen. Yep. I think, actually, we need a multinational task force, and possibly the UN, to get involved in that. should go at the top of a device. It's not rocket science. I didn't so, even know they'd popped it at the bottom. What was yeah, the logic behind that? There is no logic. It's just there to make you irrationally angry. <laughs> it is annoying. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and more power to her. So, you know, I, I, I think that it's how it should be. Um, it does, and I was suggesting this in the email, it does point that this is further proof that I think Apple is in this, cat is doing Apple Music because... They have to. Yep. They are compelled to, not because they want to. All this talk of revolution and changing the game, it's all complete bilge. They don't have any interest in that. They are just feeling compelled to compete. Do you think they they've been caught do you think they've been caught cold by, you know, everything that's gone on with streaming, or do you think they just preferred the old model? They can't have been caught cold. I mean, it just strikes me as bizarre that a company that otherwise seems to be almost incapable of of delivering a, a, a you know a poor performance that it, but it does i yeah i think what you say is that they they may well have felt that itunes revenues were secure enough for long enough that they just held fire um but equally i suppose the other if you like the other weak for me anyway you may or may not violently disagree with me but one of the other weak apple categories is the apple tv so actual content delivery platforms maybe it's just not not their happiest area. I mean, the, so. the only reason that I still have my Apple TV, because it is a disappointing product, if you ask me, and I very rarely use it, is that I can use um, and block us now. <laughs> because you can't do that on other boxes like the Roku, can you, Mark? And, not uh, the Roku, but you can do it on just about everything else. Can you really? Yeah. Oh, so I could get rid of Except my Except me, TV. I can't, because I'm, I'm, a, I'm a moron. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, yeah, unless you're red. Yeah. And you've got a Roku. <laughs> But yeah, virtually all the other ones you can get the US any anywhere yeah, you want. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I I really agree with you there, Ed. And iTunes has always been a disaster area. Um, worst well, bit of no, 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 ever. always is a strong word. iTunes, the, the rot started for iTunes when it had to incorporate the App Store. I mean, it was already starting to do some stuff which was bizarre. But judged by the standards of the competition there wasn't anything that was doing anything substantially, substantively less annoying. Now it's a gigantic, creaky sort of patchwork of different bits. And it's almost like they're scared to take it to pieces just in case they can't put it back together again. <laughs> um, and it's, it's just going to continue until such time as it literally implodes under the weight of all the things it's being asked to do. And they are compelled to start all over again. Like like I said last week, I think Apple's allowed a fail now and again. No, I completely and, and, agree. And I think I think the streaming side of things, I do, I don't see it working for them. I no. don't I I don't see I I I perhaps need to rephrase it. I do see them carving out a market segment. I just don't think that they can 
outperform Spotify because well, it's the- all that Spotify does, and they do so across on a, on an, a platform agnostic and software agnostic basis. They just work with as many things as they can find find to work with. Yeah, and that's the thing that really annoyed me in the reporting of of Apple Music was the fact that they are trying hard to shut Spotify down or shut down the free streams. The free streams. Um, that that's just that, that's not fair. You know what I mean? If, if you're going to compete, compete on a playing level playing field. Don't try and shut the other one down. The know? other one, I have to say, there's one element of this I do find absolutely fascinating, and I will download it just to have a look at it. Someone correct me if I'm wrong, and I almost certainly am, but it's the first time I'm aware of that Apple's gonna it's gonna be making an Android app. Yeah, I don't think they've got any others. For Apple Music. And I'm I just genuinely fascinated to see how that's gonna look, behave and work. Because do you not think there's gonna be the slightest temptation to make it just a bit shitter than the iOS one? <laughs> well everyone else does. <laughs> that's what I, would I would say. now you see here's where I would disagree with you. I don't uh, I, th- I find well again one of the things I find very admirable about Spotify is that almost everything I've used it on it works astonishingly consistently. And in the case of Tidal, I'm going to stick my neck out and say that Tidal's Android app is better than their iOS one. Yeah, I would. Agree. Well, I haven't used the iOS one. It's certainly better than the desktop. The Android app's pretty slick, actually. The Android app is astonishingly good. I will say the new desktops, and I've used it on the Mac and the PC, are light year ahead of the the old ones. Yeah, yeah, it's far, better. It's still not as good as the there. So, as I say, I, I will be fascinated to see how Apple goes about doing an Android app. And I, you'll probably find that they introduce a line of code that means if you put it on a Samsung phone, it explodes in your face <laughs> or <laughs> something similar. But it just, as I say, it puts them in an awkward position for, because, let's face it, they are an unbelievably successful hardware manufacturer. Software is now something that they use to make their hardware sweeter. And this is a, a, a departure from that. Because I don't know how many people are going to go out and buy an iOS device on the strength of Apple Music. I'd say none. None. So, Can you see them um, releasing iPhones with high-res audio support in the near future? Um, Just going back to the old subject, because Android's now... Well, Android, uh, well, yeah, I mean, Android, I can, I can play DSD on my yeah. old Nexus. It's ridiculous. I mean, admittedly, a DSD album <laughs> takes up half the phone's capacity. So it's not wildly practical, but you can do it. Carry all um, your music with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I don't know. I just I don't think it's especially important to them. Um, so I don't. I think unless all of a sudden it becomes vital for them to do so, and in which case it's the work of a moment because there's nothing in the hardware or architecture that prevents it. It's just their own. I think their own pursuit of of stability. And, and operability under all conditions just means that they turn off some of the more exciting functions that, that their devices are potentially capable of doing. I don't think that they seem compelled to chase it that hard. Right, so it's, I guess, Ed, we just have to wait and see how Apple uh, get on with this and how well it, it gets picked up. And We're going to have to be spectators on this. I mean, I have every confidence that... Um, Whereas uh, Tidal approached us and said, approached AV4 and said, would you like to have a look at it, give it a review, give it a shakedown? Um, I suspect we may grow old and grey waiting for Apple to uh, <laughs> to do the same thing with Apple Music. But um, well, I it's, guess it's not just Apple be. Music, it's every Apple product. Uh, they they yeah. basically, they don't need reviews. No. Although that said, I suppose that would be an interesting litmus test, wouldn't it? If they do contact us asking us to review it, we can read what we want into that. As, as a first time outing only. 
Uh, okay, so that wraps up the hardware. Next is a very short games news. So, Mark, why is it a very short games news this week? Because it was E3 and we did a special uh, E3 edition of the games podcast, which um, I, I don't know the exact runtime, but Six it's hours. long. <laughs> it's yes it's long um but the, you know what there was a lot to cover and it, it's almost impossible to cover absolutely everything in that but we we gave it a damn good crack so what were the highlights of e3 quickly not to, you haven't got two hours here just quickly highlights of e3 um fallout 4 coming this year that's fantastic news um fallout 4 uh, mods will be able to be playable on the xbox one um, Final Fantasy VII Remake, Shenmue 3 is finally coming, or should we say it, it hopefully oh, really? will. Yeah. No, missed no. that. Yeah, no, they, they announced it. It's coming via Kickstarter, though. Yeah. So, yes, it's it in conjunction. Yes, it's in conjunction with Sony, given the fact that they've raised uh, $3.5 million, but the original, you know, when it when don't know how long ago that was, but that cost $47 million. That gives you a little indication of, should we say, you know, the different scales and how long it might take to come to us, but still, at least it's someone's acknowledged that it needs to be made. Um, the Last Guardian also was finally shown. It's it's no longer kind of in in development hell. Um, not much was really seen from VR or anything like that because it, it doesn't really suit the stage show. Unfortunately, not much was seen from the show floor either. Um, Nintendo put in a truly abysmal performance. Um, and other than that, um, it must hurt for you to have to say that. It it hurts, but I I'm I've kind of come around to the idea that Nintendo basically don't want to be there. They don't want <laughs> they don't want to be at any show. I mean, it was a presentation, so it's not a, a big press conference. They basically want to almost separate themselves from the big mainstream shows. You see, so, this is one way that the big mainstream shows have been going of late over over the last decade. Mark, it used to be everybody would go. Um, let's pick a trade show. CES is a good example. It used to be that everybody went there, including Microsoft, including Intel, trying to think of other gaming companies that, that were there back in back in the day. And over the last 10 years, those companies have started to disappear because they want to, they've want they seen the Apple model, which is hold your own event, you have the press to yourself. They're not getting sidetracked going looking at other manufacturers and the rest of it. You have your own event at your own time, at your own venue or somewhere else, and you get all the press along you get your message out there in one big go uh, without any distractions. And and that's maybe Nintendo's thinking with E3. And it wouldn't surprise me if, if big shows like that, big companies started to take a, a back seat a little bit and, and try and do their own thing and get their own message out there and get the press in on their own. Yeah, I mean, it, it costs a huge amount to, to put on these things. You're always at the risk of the fact that good news will just get buried, that you will be you know kind of usurped at the last minute by something else that's been revealed on someone else's show. As I say, the, the cost and the benefits just don't weigh up for certain companies. And for Nintendo, as they're trying to kind of, I think they're trying to reposition themselves, particularly with the rumours about this new console and the way in which they get news across to their fans, you know, they're just generally trying not to stand shoulder to shoulder and almost be shown up if, if you see their latest games and then you see what Microsoft and Sony are doing. You know, if if you're just kind of, unless you're an ardent Nintendo fan, it just doesn't look as good. So, um not a great conference for them, um, but I suppose the big, 
big news with regards to hardware was Xbox One is getting backwards compatibility. Now, this is a big question for me. It's always been there, hasn't it? They, they can't suddenly just introduce that. It's always been in the architecture. Well, it, it, it depends. I mean, this is via emulation, so it's not like they've got the, the chipset and everything within the console. They claim they didn't know they could do it. Yeah, right. Well, you, I mean, they went so far down the road with this architecture for being an always online console that you have to imagine they ploughed in a lot of resources into that. And perhaps that was diverted away from the idea of backwards compatibility. Um, but I'm I'm just willing to, to be thankful that it's coming. I've read some bits and pieces on Twitter and so on uh, that have popped up. And, and a lot of people saying that this could have a negative impact because it's looking backwards and not looking forwards and and they've made so many concessions since the 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 box was announced to to the marketplace this is just another concession and, and actually they're going backwards wait till taylor swift gets in on <laughs> <laughs> i don't can I, I don't i don't necessarily see it that way in as much as let's face it pc gaming becomes a bigger and bigger deal and i know that there are a number of issues with running old games on new computers you, you encounter all manner of exciting different problems and the like but nonetheless um you know a, a key competitor to these big the, these flashy consoles is, is a system where your old games are not immediately junked when you buy a new system and they ha- they can't ignore that yeah indefinitely. yeah I, to- totally I, I get where you're coming from ed i'm just playing devil's advocate here i think you know, that's what's being said on Twitter. And, Mark, you can see it from, from a certain point of view that, you know, with with all the concessions that they have made, this was going to be the big super-duper box that was going to be always on. It was going to do this, it was going to do that, you know. And and every one of those started to disappear because people were up in arms and said, oh, I don't want this, and I don't want it always on, I don't want it looking at me through the camera. And Well, they've come out this week and said that they're, they're still committed to connect despite I think they didn't mention it once during the whole of E3. You know, it, it's it's kind of they're damned if they do, they're damned if they don't. They they set out their store, they said, here's a product. Everyone said, we don't like it. And then they ch- they're changing it slowly. And, you know, some people are always going to basically question what could have been. Um, with regards backwards compatibility, I think it, it's smart. Less for the fact that people will use it. I, I'm... I would be shocked if if people kind of even those migrating from the Xbox 360, which is clearly what they're playing for, saying, you know, you can play all your old games. You know, you don't know how long it will take to build up the back catalogue of titles, how well they will run. But people like the idea that money that they've spent in the past hasn't been entirely wasted. Yes. Even if even if should we say they're not going to play those things, they are still accessible to them. That's kind of a, a bigger bonus than the idea that, you know, they will still be playing Xbox 360 games. Because if anything, it didn't make a huge amount of sense with regards um, the show from Microsoft. Because for the first time, they had a great lineup of games and they trumped Sony in being able to say, here are the games you'll be playing in the next six months. And the big title like Fallout 4, due to the fact that you can play um, mods on it, that will swing people towards the Xbox One. So, you know, for the first time, they're actually saying you could buy the system now and you will be playing new games and, you know, your time will be occupied with that. So backwards compatibility doesn't make a great deal of sense with regards to what you'll be playing, but it makes sense from a consumer value point of view. 
But anyway, we discuss all this in even greater detail <laughs> on the games podcast. <laughs> and Forensic that, And that's uh, available for download now. So um, once you finish listening to this podcast, you can go and download that and listen uh, to your heart's content. It's uh, it's probably an evening's worth of listening. But Just, um, in just clear some space on your mobile. Capacity, yeah. <laughs> uh, right, so is that games news? That is games news. Okay, so um, moving on to movie news. Obviously, Steve's not here, um, so he hasn't been to the cinema, but the latest films are on the homepage uh, of AV Forums uh, that came out on Friday. That's last Friday. So Entourage, Mr. Holmes, and Accidental Love are up there. And this Friday, uh, we've got Minions, Knock Knock, and Everly. Everly will be up on Thursday on the homepage if you want to read that review. And Minions and Knock Knock will follow on Friday. Blu-ray Roundup, uh, we've got Jupiter Ascending and It Follows coming out. And the subject for this week um, Entourage came out last Friday uh, latest film based on a TV series um, but what are there are fa- favourite film versions of TV shows that have been made into the big screen movie um, my all time favourite Alan Partridge it happened not that long ago and it turned out to actually be quite a decent film yeah it wasn't as good as the TV series I didn't think it wasn't as funny to me just seemed it passed me. I loved Alan Partridge. I mean, I enjoyed the film. Don't get me wrong, but it didn't have me rolling around. Like no, no, but it was a decent. Yeah, no, it was good. It was, good it, enough, it was a yeah. decent attempt. You know, yeah, you, we'll, we'll leave it at that. I think. I, I, I don't think there are that many good ones. I can't, I'm struggling to think of good ones. Uh, somebody's going to say the end between us. I've never watched it. I've never seen the films, but somebody must have. There are a lot well, of comedies that translate to the big screen. It's almost like once the series is over, that's your last big hurrah. Have you seen the Are You Being Served movie? <laughs> <laughs> Where they all go on holiday to Spain? That's a shocker. Right? I didn't know that such a thing exists. You've made my day fractionally worse by telling me it exists. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. yeah but, but knowing you, Ed, as soon as this podcast is over, you'll go and try and find it on YouTube. Uh, I'm actually going to do some work for you guys, so I'd, I'd, I would advise you not to encourage me to do things <laughs> like that. So, uh, but yeah. Uh, right, so Mr. Borey, what, uh, you're a big Magnum fan. Was it ever made into a film version? Oh, I don't know. I, I'm not sure a cinema screen could could withstand Tom Selleck's shorts. his <laughs> tash. Well, I mean, we joke, but he he was the original Indiana Jones. Remember? You know, yeah. It was only because he couldn't get out of his contract at Magnum that he didn't take it up. They should have brought him back just for the Crystal Skull. <laughs> Make him. Act it, in may, that. it may have been a damn better film than the one we got. I don't think Harrison Ford could have done anything to save it. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, obviously, we haven't we, haven't we got a man from Uncle? Have uh, <laughs> <laughs> we? That's due. There's a film of that due shortly, I think. Um, <laughs> Movies are not our strong point. <laughs> <laughs> we were doing quite well up until this point. We are, this, this, is, this is the point where basically Steve starts talking and we all go off and yeah. have a slash, isn't it? And uh, exactly. we are floundering slightly uh, in, in, the, in, in the hole. Oh, Monty Python. There's a good, they had some good movies. Holy Grail Life of Brian Worth, excellent. Yeah, but it wasn't based upon a TV series, though. Otherwise, what about Dragnet? It, it kind of was. Yeah, Dragnet was around. Um, Lost in Space? Batman. Adam's yep. Family. I've got a list now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm Google. Not, I'm not sharing it. <laughs> Flintstones. That was quite good. Halle oh, Berry. And uh, hang on. You're going in alphabetical good. order as well. Yeah. <laughs> 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 no, I'm not hiding it. I would say that South Park has generated... Isn't it two excellent films? 
Now, you see, I think Steve's got this question, although, and just to explain to the listeners, Steve wrote this last week before he went on holiday, the film section anyway. He must have put um, hundreds of seconds of effort. Yeah, <laughs> at least 30. Um, I think he's got this question the wrong way around because I don't think film's where it is these days. I think the action and originality and um, production values and talent is actually in TV and not films. Yeah. I would say that, that we were having a discussion along similar lines. Obviously, the new series of True Detective lurches into life this evening, and uh, wife and I are going to sit down and uh, give that a go. Not least because I want to see if they can make something with Vince Vaughn in it, which isn't terrible. <laughs> I think he's tailor made for this. I really do. Uh, I'm, no joking aside, I, I, he seems to be quite a, a, a personable bloke. I would dearly love for him to to, to have his own Matthew McGonaghy moment and just like kick <laughs> on from here and become unbelievable. But we shall see. What I don't was think the, he'll go that far. What was well, the What was the comedy where they set up their own fraternity and that? Um, was it old school? Old school. Yeah, he was good in that, but that was the last time he was good in anything. I think he's looked kind of jaded and beaten up by life and sleep deprived for about 15 years now and and he he's tailor-made for true detective well we shall, we shall see i have high hopes i'm more worried about colin farrell sorry well he has actually he's been in some absolute dross but again he is actually quite capable of turning in a surprisingly good performance uh, i would say there's more innate he's demonstrated more innate ability in the past it's whether it can be unleashed again and he can be asked and he can be bothered so yeah we, we, we'd be interesting I'm looking forward to it I, I guess the interesting thing here is that you know companies like Amazon and Netflix where they are now putting a lot of money into obviously they want their original content uh, I guess Mark Hodge was starting to see some absolutely brilliant series that really rival HBO I mean HBO used to be out there yeah. the only company that was spending that type of money yeah. uh, on productions but it looks like Netflix and Amazon are catching up. Well, yeah. they do have the advantage, don't they, that they're producing stuff and it has instant global reach. Whereas, you know, the US TV networks undoubtedly can view their ability to franchise it a bit further down the line. But initially, it's for a single country run. Oh, yeah, and Netflix can afford a flop, can't they? PR-wise, I mean. So they, they, a network can't have a flop. They know, everyone knows the viewing figures, and, and if it's bad, then they, they pull the show. Netflix, Amazon, you've no idea what the viewing figures are, so they, they can be a bit braver, I think, yeah. in, what, in what they put out. They can, they can chance around with something that may or may not fly, and you know, it doesn't really matter in terms of, um, of their reputation or, or public relations. I was going to say they're not tied to that idea of what did the kind of season premiere rate at, are they? They'll be interested, of course, but they're not under an obligation to release the figures like the, the networks are. Yeah, no. yeah. And, and again, the, the other flip of the coin here, because we're a, <laughs> allegedly a technology podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, with a vinyl fan. Yeah. I do on the internet. <laughs> when did you last buy a CD? <laughs> Uh, I guess the serious point is that uh, new technology comes into this because we're talking HDR and 4K and, and Netflix and Amazon can deliver this content. So they can develop original new series and deliver it in the latest formats where, you know, Hollywood, with, with all the committees and, and difficulties and, uh, and all the rest, of it, it, there's a chance that they're going to lag behind, Mark. Yeah, I definitely would agree. I think Marco Polo will be the first HDR thing we'll see, and we should get that this year. So, and I have, and that, I have seen that. Netflix. I have seen yeah. the HDR clips of that, and it and it 
it looked stunning. Yeah. <laughs> there was no other way about it. It did look really, really different to what yeah. we're used to. You know? So I've not and, watched. I've not I specifically not watched that program because I knew it was coming in HDR. So I'm really looking forward to to that one. Um, yeah, I, I think it's just all the things we said. We, they were just um, they, they've got the freedom to to try these things out and and without the shackles of uh, the studios and, and the rest of the industry, they can just have a go. Ed, I'm waiting on uh, Wheeler Dealers the movie. Oh, it could be could be something else. No, Ed Ed China's uh, satin black. He has to paint everything satin black. <laughs> or they could just subvert expectations and make it a love film. You know what can I say? <laughs> <laughs> or it could be a uh, you could uh, rerun the uh, American Independence. They could go up against the uh, the Fast and Loud team in the US. You know, colonialism. Or something like written like that, so yeah, there's all sorts of possibilities. But um, it, I think one of going dragging this torturously all the way back. I think it's whilst there's a temptation to periodically visit old TV series and turn them into new movies, often only lifting the very basic premise of what went on. The disciplines now, the differences between what quality TV drama and what Hollywood is being asked to do doesn't happily support cross-pollination anymore. You you can slow burn TV series exactly. in a way that Hollywood just just isn't. You know, you were discussing it last week during your you know collective love in over Jaws um, uh, <laughs> that you can't slow burn and have a five minute speech about you know the Indianapolis and all yep. the rest of it. Yep. And um, and TV doc, TV can and TV can tick along at a wholly different speed and and it there's also and don't get me wrong they they have other luxuries that um uh that 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 hollywood doesn't you can have episodes that you know if they feel like it with with certain things less so with the truly top line dramas but if you want to self-contain an episode you can or at least have some you know it it, like like the x-files so so the x-files was not necessarily um in order in terms of story, because sometimes you would have two or three weeks where it would just be one case. Yeah, and it's it, just and a it monster, a monster it, of the week. Yeah, and it wouldn't fit in with the with the overall arc, which yeah. was the the whole alien alien conspiracy thing. Um, and it worked because you could flip between you know your monster of the week or your conspiracy theory stuff. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I love Person of Interest. I don't regard it as being one of the top line dramas a lot, but I like the fact that it can do a four or five episode arc of wider ranging sort of events and then take a breather and, um, and do, uh, and, and, and just, just focus on a single episode. And, um, I mean, I know that, uh, I mean, start deep space nine used to have a very similar sort of loyal fan base because they did something similar. They do, they do deal with overarching things and then they take time out and, have a baseball game for reasons best known to themselves so that's a luxury that again film just doesn't have anymore or perhaps arguably never did i mean it must be said i suppose one of the ones that uh, that might end do you know what might end up feature filming as an end is joking just just there's an outside chance of it is um is game of thrones depending on how long it takes them to sort it out and resolve it, you may find that the temptation to just wind it all up in a two and a half hour just... And then they all died. <laughs> then they all died. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Is there going to be anybody left when it comes to the end, last series? No, I say they're all going to... It's, it's basically, at the end of it, it's going to, going to pitch out and they've all been playing a board game. 
You heard it here first. <laughs> so, I, you know, I guess just to wrap up on this, uh, can we think of the most successful TV series to also become a successful film or film franchise? Mission Impossible. Just closed my list. Mm. You just closed your list. <laughs> but I, I, I think in terms of money made, I, I'd say uh, Transformers. Yeah. Um, although, I mean, sh- yes, I suppose it's because the films are quite. But across both platforms, surely Star Trek has to be in there with a the look. Because mm. it's been quite lucrative across a number of. Uh, across both small and big screen, with an equal number of turkeys. I'm looking at you, Scott Bakula. I like that. I thought it was proper shit. <laughs> even, the, even the opening theme soon. Especially the opening theme soon. <laughs> It's been a oh, long time getting from there to here. That's 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 my doesn't new. move you only in terms of my bow. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, that was proper shit. That's going to be my new ringtone thing from us. <laughs> I'm going to save that. Well, for my if you receive a text message from me, it's going to be proper <laughs> shit. shit. <laughs> anyway, so, Mark, did you hear um, Steve's impersonation of you last week? Me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Right, there you go. Well, does, we filled he... in. We filled in for you on games news, arguably better than we we're filling in for him. <laughs> <or moving. laughs> in fact, probably not arguably. It was actually very convincing because you your hash like this. You got a very consistent turn of phrase in terms, certainly in terms of starting and finishing the games news section. I think that if someone had had a few pints of lager, they probably wouldn't have noticed. I'll go and listen then. <laughs> what you mean you haven't listened? I shall go and listen if you'd let me finish, Phil. I'll go and listen again. <laughs> Smooth move. Yeah, yeah. Got away with it. And on that bombshell, um, I guess that's all we've got time for on this week's AV Forums podcast. How we've managed to fill in the time, I do not know, but my thanks to Mark Hodgkinson. Dead Man's Curve. Mark Botwright. It is a wonderful hat. And Ed Selly. Sweet Oblivion, open your arms. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook, bookmarkavforums.com for the latest reviews, news and a video. And you can also leave us a rating on iTunes, but only if you enjoyed the show and only if you're going to leave five stars. <laughs> Otherwise, don't bother. And remember, we're not here next Wednesday. We are back on the uh, 8th of July. It's the next podcast. And we'll look forward to seeing you then. I'd still like to see the image of Steve as Ray Winston for the couple. <laughs> I'll see what I can do. 